Today on Blue 58, the Packers' initial 53-man roster lasted less than a day before Brian Gutekunst was added again, adding another safety and filling out the Packers' practice squad. Let's take a look at their moves and see if there's any work yet to be done. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Neerdank. Happy to be with you here for another episode. And I don't know about you, but I'm climbing the walls waiting for week one to get here. We're kind of in a weird holding period today as we wait for things to really kick off next week. It feels like there should be a game this weekend, but I think it's it's wise of the NFL to, to not try to kick things off on Labor Day weekend. We'll just get into things next week. But that leaves us kind of in the lurch in the meantime. So if you need something to satisfy a football urge for like two, three minutes, well, I got something for you. We are running a Pick'em League for the first time this year. So if you would like to participate in that, you may be able to win yourself a couple prizes. Uh, There is a link in the show notes for this episode, the episode description, whatever you want to call it, to our public league. And we are giving away prizes for first, second, and third place there. If you can pick more winners than anybody else, you'll win prizes. First prize is a Power Sweep t-shirt and uh, a package of stickers. The second prize is just a t-shirt. Third prize is just some stickers. So show me your football expertise. I want to see how well you do picking games. If you're interested in an additional challenge, we also have a Pick'em League for just our Patreon supporters. There are some additional prizes available there, up to and including a Packers jersey. That is just for our Patreon supporters there. We do have an additional twist on that one as well. That is a confidence Pick'em League, so you'll be asked not only to just pick all the, all the winners, but also rank them by how confident you are that you are correct. And if you win your picks... Uh, You'll receive points in accordance with how confident you were in that pick being correct. Um, So yeah, that is something that you can sign up for. And we'd love you to be aboard either league. Check out the link to the public, um, public league. In the show notes here, or sign up for our Patreon and uh, get into the uh, the private league there as well. So that should keep you occupied for a few minutes as we try to get through these next few days together before we can really, you know, dial in on week one. And that is coming. I'm excited for uh, our first real preview episode of the season next week as the Packers get ready to take on the Vikings. Let's talk about the Packers roster because, uh, as we said in the opening, the Packers' initial 53-man roster didn't last all that long. And regrets, I guess, for Micah Abernathy. Uh, what a story he was in in training camp making the initial 53-man roster, and by noon the next day he was gone. Oh, what a bummer. The Packers apparently trying to get him back on the practice squad, but that, as of this recording, has not happened yet because he's got to pass through waivers and all that. Uh, in the meantime, his spot on the roster has been taken by fellow safety Rudy Ford, six feet tall, 204 pounds, a sixth round pick by the Cardinals back in 2017. He has played in 56 career games for the Cardinals, Eagles, and Jaguars over the intervening season. Primarily a special teamer, his defensive highlights include one career interception and one half of a sack, along with a pretty decent amount of, of tackles. But he's primarily been a special teamer, and he's logged some pretty significant snaps there on special teams. He played 179 snaps on teams for the Jaguars in 2021, most of them as a gunner on, on punt team. Uh, Played 139 for the Eagles in 2020, 212 for the Eagles in 2019, where he was teammates with now Packers cornerback Rasul Douglas. 
Played a bunch for the Cardinals in 2018, 286 snaps, and then 169 for the Cardinals his rookie season in 2017. Real speedy guy, 4440 yard dash. Uh, just that is his game. He runs real fast in a straight line. Really, I would not count on him a ton for defense. This is a special teams move, which kind of I think is going to be the state of things for the Packers at safety right now because they've got Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage who are going to play on defense. Behind them, you've got Dallin Levitt, a special teamer, Tariq Carpenter, who it's really not clear if you trust him on special teams or on defense right now, and then Ford. You also had Micah Abernathy, who was released. In theory, he could have done some stuff for you on defense, but we really don't know because all we've seen from him is preseason stuff. He probably would have had a chance to make an impact on on special teams as well, and that may be his ticket to the 53-man roster ultimately if he ends up back in Green Bay and you know, you know the story from there. But boy, that is not great behind Amos and Savage. We've talked over the past couple of years about third safety being a problem for the Packers in the playoffs. First it was Will Redmond, then it was Henry Black. Now I don't even know who it would be. It really does look like it would have to be Rasul Douglas if the Packers really need a third safety, and maybe they just try to get by without one for right now and just try to split up the defensive back duties with the other guys they've got at corner and really just go with a true two-safety look most of the time. But uh, at least we'll have the very speedy uh, Rudy Ford available on special teams in the meantime. Also joining the Packers, I thought we should mention this because he's one of their reported outside signings for the practice squad, one of two as of today. And we got to say reported signing because of some little intricacies we'll talk about here in a second when we get to the overall practice squad breakdown. But the second guy here is Benji Franklin, six feet tall, 185 pound rookie out of Tarleton State. If you haven't heard of that college before, that is okay. Division II school there. He's actually the second defensive back the Packers have signed in the last two years from Tarleton. Uh, If you don't remember defensive back Dominique Martin spending a little bit of time on the Packers roster during training camp last year, I do not blame you, but he did. And uh, now Benji Franklin apparently on his way to Green Bay as well. He described himself to the website Draft Diamonds as, quote, a guy with great speed that can cover and also make an impact on the field, whether it's playing on special teams or playing on defense, end quote. He wasn't kidding about the great speed. He ran a 4-3-1 40-yard dash at his pro day. He can go. 4-3-1 is nothing to joke about. Uh, He was Dane Brugler's number 58 cornerback in the 2022 uh, Beast draft guide that he puts out every year. That puts him two spots ahead of Raleigh Tejada, who signed with the Packers as an undrafted free agent earlier this year. Franklin, probably a special teams candidate in the meantime, is very much in the mold of a Rico Gafford, who the Packers have also brought back on the practice squad. Uh, We'll see how things ultimately end up sorting out. If the Packers um, ultimately don't have Franklin on the practice squad, it actually would Wouldn't be that much of a surprise. I guess we should talk about this now. The Packers have made 12 announced signings to the practice squad, plus five more reported signings. Uh, Plus, Micah Abernathy is floating around out there somewhere. So in the course of this stuff, a couple people are going to get left out in the cold. That's just the way things go. Uh, that seems to happen every year. The Packers or you know, reporters end up announcing more signings than the Packers actually make. I don't think there's anything nefarious going on. I don't really even think that's a beat reporter or anybody getting it wrong. I think it's just how quickly things change at this time of year on the practice squad. 
and there's 16 spots, there are definitely more than 16 guys you'd be interested in having around if you could, but you can't. So you end up, you know, signing guys. And before things get ultimately processed, you sign somebody else and you go back to the first guy and say, sorry, pal, uh, we'll get you next time. But also reportedly joining the practice squad is tight end Sean Byer, six feet five, 248 pounds, second year man, I guess you would say out of Iowa, depending on how you count those things. Probably technically a first year player, though getting to accrued seasons and stuff like that gets a little bit wonky sometimes. The the bottom line is this is his second year being around in the NFL. Came out last year after a career at Iowa, a career during which he converted from wide receiver to tight end. And normally when you see that, you see a guy who ends up being, well, you know, a Robert Tunyon type, uh, a guy who's more of a receiving threat than a blocker. That doesn't appear to be the case with Bayer, though, because he has career totals of just 18 catches for 275 yards and a touchdown, despite being a pretty good athlete. 774 overall relative athletic score, 481 in the 40. So not super fast, but not exactly slow either. Good agility numbers, good jumping numbers, good athletic package overall. But everybody who talks about him talks about him more as a blocker. He was originally a North Dakota commit, flipped to Iowa. It would have been teammates with Christian Watson had he stayed at North Dakota and ultimately ended up as the number one ra- or number 21 ranked tight end, excuse me, in the 2021 draft class, again, according to Dane Brugler, the scouting master. Uh, Brugler wrote of him actually in the 2021 draft guide that he put out and describes him, like I said, primarily as a blocker. To that end, quote, Bayer is an efficient move blocker, keeping his eyes, hands, and legs in lockstep to drive obstacle from the lane. His athleticism also shows as a pass catcher, but his routes lack rhythm and he is inconsistent snatching outside his frame. Overall, Bayer doesn't have an exciting resume, but he comes from a program that produces tight ends and there are untapped athletically gifted elements to his game, end quote. It takes time to develop as a blocker in the NFL. So anytime that you have a guy who has some athletic ability and gets early mention for his blocking as opposed to his receiving, my ears prick up a little bit. I'm not saying that you should pencil him in as even like tight end number four on the 53 right now, but that is interesting to me that the the first thing that comes up is a description of his tight end. And they do need bodies at tight end because other than... Robert Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, Josiah DeGuara, and uh, Tyler Davis, they didn't have anybody else around until Bayer came along. And that transitions us into talking about the Packers practice squad. Pretty much everybody is back. And if you're scoring at home, we pretty much hit it with our predictions um, after the, the initial cutdown earlier this week, uh, or, or late last week, or whatever it was that we talked last. I'm having trouble keeping track of what day it is. Regardless, more or less, it shaped up how we expected. They got back Danny Etling. Uh, they brought back, back Travis Fulgham, as opposed to the initial predictions I had for Jawan Winfrey or Ishmael Hyman, though Winfrey is reportedly on his way back to Green Bay. No big surprises anywhere else. They didn't lose anybody, it appears, that they wanted uh, to anyone else in the league. In fact, I think what we've ultimately seen is that waiver claims are not really a huge threat. With practice squads being bigger, most everybody is going to be able to get back the guys that they want. And unless you're really desperate for talent or or desperate for guys that have just been in other camps, you really don't have to go out of your way to claim a whole bunch of guys. There was something like 30-something signings league-wide, waiver claims, excuse me. I think a total of like 33. I might have that number wrong, but it wasn't a ton. But 
there was really apparently no threat of the Packers losing even some of their more premium talent, I guess if you want to put it that way. The guys who were concerned about, you know, Caleb Caleb Jones, Chris Slayton, Jack Heflin, the running backs, Patrick Taylor and uh, Tyler Goodson, all of them back with the Packers. Two edges back in Ladarius Hamilton and Kobe Jones. Even Keandre Do- Thomas, the uh, the defensive back, makes it back to the practice squad as well. I think it shows that, like I said, waiver claims not that big a threat. And even if guys were losing out to other guys at a given position, it doesn't mean that their time in Green Bay is over. I would like to transition into answering a couple questions about the overall roster construction, though, starting with one, I think, good one about Brian Gutekunst's overall roster philosophy. This one comes from, I, I may be murdering your username here, from, from Kasakopf or Kasakopf in our Discord server, a new member there. A uh, great way to get your questions to, to me and onto Blue58 if you want to do that. Uh, but he asks, how stubborn do you think Goody is with his picks to keep them? And how much is actual belief that they're better? It almost seems like the coaching staff preferred some undrafted guys in preseason, but Goody keeps shoving his picks down the throat of Lafleur and company. I think this is a fair question and one that we should keep an eye on. But thinking about this a lot over the past couple of days, and we touched on this a little bit in the last episode, I don't know if it's really so much giving preference to draft picks or just thinking those guys are just slightly better. Um, because even in situations where we see guys losing out to draft picks, there's there's two really noteworthy examples. You've got Jonathan Ford on the defensive line making, ahead of, uh, making it ahead of Chris Slayton and Jack Heflin. And you've got Tariq Carpenter making it ahead of, well, I guess nobody, really. Because... Um, the guys he beat out, Sean Davis and Ennis Gaines, are, are hurt. So they really wouldn't have contributed all that much on the 53 anyway and could end up back on the practice squad at some point uh, in the future. But they're not really, I guess, technically threats in, in the meantime. If he'd have beaten out Mike Abernathy, I guess maybe you have a, a small point there, but Abernathy was on the initial 53 and Gutekunst cut him to sign Rudy Ford. I guess you could argue that he, he could have cut Carpenter instead. Um, but you talk about preferring draft picks. I, I'm not really sure who the guys getting beat out are that really clearly demonstrated that they're super, super ahead of draft picks and ended up out of a job anyway. Because, for instance, look at the case of Ford and Slayton and Heflin. Now, if Ford makes the roster and Slayton and Heflin get put on waivers, and both of them get claimed and added to 53-man rosters, I think you've got a strong case for saying Gutekunst messed up uh, by saying, okay, we preferred this guy who you know, admittedly didn't flash as much as the other guy, seems a little bit more limited as a player, not as athletic, doesn't have you know, some of the production uh, waypoints that we like to see. Um, then, then I think you've got a, a strong case. But the Packers put these guys on waivers, and they didn't go anywhere. We're not saying that would have happened with Ford, but it's not like he's beating out guys that would have ended up getting claimed elsewhere. To the second part of the question, talking about guys that the coaching staffs preferred over some of the drafted guys, we've got to keep in mind that preseason playing time is not necessarily an indication that teams like you. There is a scenario first where they just need guys to soak up some snaps. I'll circle back to my all-time favorite example of this, Mark Tyler, 
a running back who in the 2012 preseason led the NFL in rushing attempts and averaged like 2.7 yards per attempt for the Packers. He ended up out there because the Packers just had nobody else they wanted carrying the ball a whole bunch of times. They were really beat up at running back. Uh, Dewan Harris wasn't around yet for the 2012 season. Uh, draft pick Alex Green had been hurt and was still on his way back. Cedric Benson wasn't around yet. They just needed some guy to play running back. So he was out there. It wasn't like they liked him a whole bunch, but he had to play a whole bunch of snaps. So playing a whole bunch of snaps in the preseason doesn't necessarily mean that coaches like you. It can also be a scenario where coaches are trying to see if you can do anything at all. So they're just going to put you out there a whole bunch and see, does he show us anything at all? Because one of two things is happening if you're still playing late in the preseason. You're either just soaking up snaps because they got to have 11 guys out there all the time, or they're giving you one last opportunity to prove yourself over a guy who may not be playing. Because when you stop playing down the stretch in preseason, it's often a good good demonstration of, of your roster prospects. Look like look at a guy like Jaron Reed. Heading into training camp, um, there were a lot of people who thought, well, maybe Reed doesn't make the roster. It looks like it's going to be a real competition. You've got Jack Heflin. You've got first-round pick Devontae Wyatt. But the Packers showed pretty early on that they, they felt like they were all set with Reed because they never put him out there. They were just like, yeah, we'll, we'll just leave him in mothballs all preseason, and then when the regular season round rolls around, we'll, we'll let him out. Uh, that showed pretty definitively that his job was safe because if they were worried about him, um, you know, compared to other guys, if they didn't feel like they had a good read on him relative to other players on the roster, he would have been out there. He would have been out there, you know, how do you play relative to Jack Eflin or Chris Slayton or Jonathan Ford, I guess, as, as we say. So I don't know if that it's, it's that Gutekunst is quote unquote shoving his picks down the, the coaching staff's throat as much as it wasn't that it was close and they thought they could get the guys through waivers and they ended up getting them through waivers anyway. So we haven't seen the last of a lot of these guys. I Heflin and Slayton, I feel pretty confident are going to be on the 53 at some point. Ford is a seventh round pick. Um, his, his job is not secure. Uh, the same goes for guys like Tariq Carpenter, uh, Goodson and, and Taylor are both going to use up their, their elevations and Caleb Jones. I mean, he needs time. In addition to, you know, being an undrafted guy, he's still pretty raw. And you could have said the same thing about Rasheed Walker. He was going to need some time to develop, too. The Packers just had to put one of them on the 53 or thought they had to put one of them on the 53, and it happened to be Walker, the draft pick. The Packers also have a little bit more money tied up in him, so it, it keeps your cap a little bit healthier by keeping him on the roster. The other interesting question, I think, about roster construction uh, comes via a couple reports about guys the Packers have had interest in this week. And, and a couple of these date back a while now. Uh, I have to ask, this is a question from me, what do we make of the Packers being in the conversation for wide receivers LaVisca Chenault and Jalen Rager? Uh, LaVisca Chenault goes via trade from the Jacksonville Jaguars to the Carolina Panthers, and Jalen Rager goes from the Philadelphia Eagles to the Minnesota Vikings. The Packers apparently were in the conversation for Chenault, decided ultimately they wanted to tap out of that conversation. And apparently, prior to the draft in what was whatever it was, 2020, the Packers were interested in Jalen Rager as well. Now, I, we haven't heard that they were interested in trading for Rager, but I think we should explore that a little bit. I think, to me, that shows two things. First, that the Packers are, are interested in continuing this 
quasi-gadget role that they've kind of introduced Amari Rogers into. And secondly, they want to keep dumping resources into it. They want to see if they can continue to grow that position. Now, to be clear, they're not dumping any resources into it right now, but they're they're dumping snaps into Amari Rogers and, and trying to figure out what he can do in that role. But if you think back to the 2019 and 2020 seasons, um, Tyler Irvin was a key part of the Packers' offense as he got more and more comfortable being being around the team. Uh, and they really haven't had a guy since he got hurt in 2020 who could really fill the role quite the same way that he did. Uh, his speed horizontally in that offense, uh, running those jet sweeps, just drawing defenders across the formation, did a lot for the Packers' offense those years. And they really haven't been able to have that same element in their offense since he got hurt. They've tried Aaron Jones in it a little bit, but you really don't want him doing that all the time because it takes away from some of the other things that he does well. Uh, They tried a guy like Tavon Austin in it in 2020. He was a disappointment there, uh, just ultimately not that great of a player. Uh, They tried MVS uh, a little bit in 2021 doing that role, a little bit more jet motion. They just really haven't been able to get a guy who can fill that role since Irvin was here. And I think interest in a guy like Rager back in 2020, continued interest in a guy like Chenault since then, shows that they want to have an element like that in their offense. It's not saying that it's going to be a big part of their offense. That's not saying that it's um, it's something that they're going to like go out and get somebody other than Amari Rodgers to do. But I think seeing Rodgers introduced into a role like that down the stretch in the preseason, and, and even since then the Packers talking about how they like him in that kind of role, I think can't really be ignored. You have to to remember that that was something that they, they liked to do a lot in the early Lafleur era, and they really haven't been able to do a whole lot since then. But now that they've got Rodgers doing that kind of thing, maybe we'll see a little bit more of it. We should also talk a little bit about the idea of, of Rodgers being the third running back, uh, something we introduced, uh, we talked about a little bit um, earlier this week. I don't know if he's really the third running back, but I think when he's on the field, you almost might want to consider him like the second back in 20-whatever personnel, 21 personnel, 20 personnel, 22 personnel. Because we know the Packers are probably going to do that a lot this year. They're going to have multiple backs on the field because they've got two really good backs in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. What are the things that Aaron Jones can do on the field when A.J. Dillon is out there? Well, he's going to motion across the formation. He's going to line up as a receiver, blah, blah, blah. Amari Rodgers can do those same things for Aaron Jones as well, or for A.J. Dillon, for that matter. The things that he can do, uh, spreading out the defense, lining up in the backfield, then motioning out, moving across the formation, will unlock things for Aaron Jones the same way Aaron Jones can unlock things for A.J. Dillon, or uh, that someone could unlock for Aaron Jones as well. It's it's an interesting thing to have on the field, even if he's not a true running back, which is more or less what what Tyler Irvin was. Tyler Irvin was a running back that they or was a yeah was a running back who played kind of like a receiver. Amari Rodgers is going to be a receiver that kind of plays like a running back. If you just look at him as that second back in twenty whatever personnel, I think that pretty much solves what they want for him. Think about him as as a Tyler Irvin. Think about him as a guy who's just going to be opening up things for other people. And I think you're most of the way for what the Packers are going to want and need 
from Amari Rodgers in 2022. Is that a good thing to be getting out of your second year, third round pick? Ultimately, probably not. But if you're looking for a way to get something out of your second year, third round pick, that may be a good way to do it. If you think of him as a, a Randall Cobb type player, that's probably not the the best way to look at what Amari Rodgers can do for the Packers this year. Cobb was a pretty pure slot receiver for the bulk of his time in Green Bay, and then returning with LaFleur last year, that is largely what he did. But I will also point out that a couple of Cobb's best games, uh, the Rams game in particular, before he got hurt, he did a lot of stuff out of the backfield. It wasn't a ton of motion stuff. It wasn't like jet motion type stuff either, but he was operating out of the backfield. So maybe there there is something there for Amari Rodgers. If nothing else, you can use him maybe as a decoy, maybe just something that gets the defense's eyes moving. I don't know. And I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to justify, you know, keeping him on the field if he's not an effective player, because I don't think Matt LaFleur even would do that. But I don't think it's something that we can entirely rule out either. So I've got for you in this episode. I appreciate you listening in. I appreciate you sticking with football, uh, even through this last weekend without it for some time. Enjoy it. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend because next week we're down to business and, and getting ready for the start of the regular season. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would appreciate it if you would share it with someone you think would enjoy it too that's going to help us grow and get more people involved in this conversation we're having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.